Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice, and the U.S. Department of Justice announces a pattern of practice investigation in Minneapolis. Well, in the wake of the Derek Chauvin guilty verdict on April 20th, the next day, April 21st, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced that he was launching a Department of Justice investigation into the pattern and practice activity of the Minneapolis Police Department, particularly its use of force. Now, what's this all about? Is this some kind of piling on or uh, why have another investigation after the guilty verdict in the Chauvin case has already happened? What's going on here? Well, let's talk about it. What is a pattern or practice investigation? That's a good place to start. Well, you could start, if you wanted to, by going all the way back in our first season to episode two. Yes, TWO, two. That was when my guest was Professor Samuel Walker. He is Professor of Emeritus at Nebraska, University of Nebraska, Omaha, and probably the foremost expert in the country on the subject of pattern or practice investigations. And uh, we really thoroughly explored this. It is a Department of Justice tool, authority they have under federal law to investigate not federal police departments, which they could always do, like the FBI or the ATF, but local and state police departments, which they don't necessarily have. So how is this done? Well, the Pattern of Practice statute, which was, by the way, enacted as part of the 1994 crime bill, gives the Department of Justice the authority to go to local police departments for the express purpose of investigating patterns or practices of violations of constitutional rights of citizens. Right? So the federal government doesn't have authority to walk into the Pittsburgh or Cheyenne, Wyoming Police Department and say, hey, you guys are not living up to what we consider best practices. You should do it this way. No, they can't. But this statute and the Constitution and 14th Amendment gives the department the authority to go to a police department and say, it appears to us you may be depriving your citizens of constitutional rights on a pattern basis, all right, on a repeated basis. So they can't go in and investigate on the basis of one very bad shooting or even a few bad incidents. Uh, you can't investigate the whole department. You can perhaps criminally prosecute individual officers under federal law, which is quite difficult, but you can't investigate the whole department. Instead, this statute says you can investigate the pattern of what the department does with regard to constitutional violations. And in this authority, uh, using this authority, the Department of Justice can come to a local police department say that they are going to launch an investigation. They have authority to demand documents and even witnesses, though they don't have subpoena power at this point. And they do a thorough deep dive investigation uh, over not just one incident or two, but the practices of the police department. What kind of things might come within this? Well, it has to involve constitutional rights. So we have to be talking about 
Violations of the Fourth Amendment. Oh, well, that could be use of force. That could be stop and frisk. That could be traffic stops and how they do that and who gets stopped and who gets searched and so forth. There are a whole host of things that fall, fall under this label of constitutional rights. And the department is looking for those overall practices. What this allows the department to do is to make a system-wide investigation, an institution-wide investigation. A case like Derek Chauvin's, important as it is, and it's vital to have justice in individual cases, doesn't look at the full institution of the Minneapolis Police Department. may look at its policy vis-a-vis what one person did on one occasion, but doesn't look at the whole department. This statute allows the Department of Justice to do that. So they go in, they do a thorough investigation, they present the city and the police department with the results. They say, you know, true or false. I mean, you agree with this or not? And generally, uh, the department and the city will work out a, an agreement about what systems and practices overall in the police department must change. This will always involve policy on various things, training, Uh, other kinds of institutional infrastructure, you name it. It can be almost anything. If they come to an agreement, they bring it to a federal judge, and if the judge okays it, it becomes a legally binding document called a consent decree. And usually it also includes federal oversight in the form of an independent monitor to report to the judge how much progress is or is not being made. Now, this has been a pretty effective tool for the Department of Justice over time. They've done uh, a lot of these things uh, in various cities. Pittsburgh was actually the location of the very first consent decree in 1997 through 2002. They generally run for five years, sometimes three years under federal oversight. And it allows a department to be remade. Now, it hasn't always worked. I want to be clear about that. Uh, New Orleans, the Department of Justice had to go into twice to really fix things. So the first time it didn't work. There's a long running one in Detroit and in Oakland. There's another long running one. And these these things have just not been fixed. In Pittsburgh, it's arguable that while it worked in the short to medium run, once another mayor came in, a couple of police chiefs are come and gone, the commitment just wasn't there in the same way. But it is the best tool that is available, and it has worked in many places to transform a department to the good and for long periods of time. I would, I would give the example of the Cincinnati Police Department. So that's what Merrick Garland is launching here. And it seems like this would be a good thing to do in Minneapolis, right? Because he is uh, noticing, I am sure, that the problem isn't just Derek Chauvin. In fact, the week or two weeks after George Floyd was murdered, uh, one of the media sources that I use came out with all kinds of data sourced from the Minneapolis Police Department that showed that use of force in Minneapolis was heavily skewed against black people. Uh, let me explain a little further. Uh, it looked at all kinds of use of force, all right, not just deadly force. So everything from deadly force down to using a fist or a baton or pepper spray or handcuffs, those are all uses of force. 
And Minneapolis, with a black population of under 20%, you found for every one of these types of uses of force, black people were at least 50% of the recipients of all of the department's uses of force, sometimes over 60%. All right? That bears looking at. So I predict that that's going to be the starting point. So that's what Merrick Garland is ordering. It's entirely appropriate, then, to follow the Chauvin trial with this wide-ranging investigation of the full department. Because a Chauvin trial, as important as it is to have individualized justice for George Floyd and against Derek Chauvin, it's just as important to delve into the system that allow it to happen, the institution that allowed it to happen. Those things have to be looked at, too, because if they're not, it will happen again. We all, I think, know that almost intuitively. Now, let's put it in the larger context just for a minute. During the Obama administration, there were 25 of these consent decrees that were created. Uh, And that was considered a lot. Very active uh, 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 civil rights division during the Obama years, and this was one of their prime targets, 25. Now, 25 may seem like a lot, But then consider that there are 18,000 American police departments, right? So it's a a fraction. Now, some of these departments would be among those that a lot of folks would pick out as the most troubled, you know? And so they go there. But the Department of Justice can't reach nearly all the police departments that could use this kind of investigation, So the hope is, and I think there's some data to back this up, that when the Department of Justice is active on this front, other police departments that might not maybe be as bad but are troubled in some way, those chiefs will see this and say, well, I don't want the 800-pound gorilla in my office demanding my records. I'm going to try to make things better. I'm going to try to manage up to best practices. I'm going to do what I can here. And uh, that's what I think everybody hopes for as a knock-on effect. Now, uh, after the Obama administration, of course, came the Trump administration and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. And Sessions always made clear, as a senator, he did not like pattern or practice litigation. The pattern or practice authority thought it was wrong, thought it was federal overreach, thought it busted morale within police departments and so forth. And he came in and he just basically told law enforcement, no more of this. You don't have to worry about this. We got your back and we thank you. Right? So if these investigations, one of their functions was to send a message that the Justice Department is out there and watching, if you're violating your citizens' constitutional rights, Sessions sent the opposite signal very deliberately. You don't have to worry about us. Well, Garland is also sending a new signal on that larger level with this Minneapolis announcement. Right? He's not only saying, we're going to Minneapolis, he's saying, we are back in the business of looking at police departments systemically. So clean up your act, get it together, we're back. And this is something that he hopes sends a strong message to law enforcement too. 
That's it. The Department of Justice's Pattern of Practice investigation in Minneapolis. You can always come to us here at criminalinjusticepodcast.com. That's our website for all of our bonus features about the news in criminal justice, all of our other features too. And you can hear our interviews with the most impactful and important people working in every aspect of the criminal legal system today. We are a member-supported podcast. Go to patreon.com slash criminalinjustice. We really appreciate that. I'm David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time. (laughs) 